This is Biz. I'm a part-time working mom with a big kid and a little kid. And I'm Teresa. I have a family business, two young kids, and a baby. This is a show about life after giving life. Don't listen with your kids, because there will be swears. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, just like parenting is different for everyone, this show is going to be different as we diss the usual format to talk fostering with a couple beginning the fostering process, another who has fostered, and we have Adrian Jubilee from the Center for Adoption Support and Education. Woo! very exciting show. It really is. It is. We're going to be covering a lot of ground today. I know. So I'm just going to quickly say, yeah. how are you? Fine. Great. I'm fine, too. So <laughs> this week, we just, I just want to say, we're not going to spend a lot of time here at the top because we really want to spend time talking to all of our guests. This show came about very organically as we've been trying to do a show on fostering, foster parents, this whole process. And then as we were working on the show, it suddenly became, oh, we should have this person on. Oh, well, this person's experience. What if we just had all these people on? Mm -hmm. and All together. All together. <laughs> and I just want to say a few things. One, this will not be the last time we talk about fostering. This is not the mm -hmm. answer to all mm -hmm. fostering. Now, one that mother no, this done is this the, is definitive. <laughs> I can already feel it. We haven't done the show yet. Yeah. But this will be yeah. the beginning, the middle, and end. Yeah. And then we'll have more people come on and talk more about this later. Okay, guys? <laughs> There's only one show for fostering. So I just don't want anybody to think that's it. Two, I want to say a very special thank you to the One Bad Mother Foster Adoption Facebook group mm. who for a very long time has let me wander about their conversations. Mm -hmm. And uh, so thank you for being so generous in uh, letting me peek and for helping with suggestions and ideas for this show and future shows. And I will just go ahead and preface at the beginning when we are speaking to people, this is going to be an opportunity for me to learn a lot about something I haven't experienced or know about. So I'm hoping I can navigate this without stepping in it. Mm -hmm. And as always, if I step in something, please feel free to tell me. And I'm going to tell our guests the same thing. <laughs> so one last thing, and that is because we're the show is so different. We won't be doing genius and fails and rants this week, just so we can really commit time to our guests. So with that said, let's talk about fostering. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Teresa. Yes. This week... We are going to call a lot of people. But today, we're going to start off with people in the booth with us, which may be a first ever for One Bad Mother. This week, we are going to start off with having Kevin and Kelly on the show. Kevin is the producer for Maximum Fun's Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. Kelly is a preschool teacher who's worked at schools all over Los Angeles. They're both native Southern Californians, both graduates of California State University, Long Beach, uh, though Kelly has a higher degree, woo-woo, a master's in English. 
<laughs> they met at a bar in Long Beach about 11 years ago. These days, they live together in Los Angeles. And Kevin likes to cook and watch baseball. And Kelly likes to explore nature and watch Ozark. Welcome to the show, Kevin and Kelly. Thank you. Wow. It's weird having all the different energies in the small room. (laughs) Uh, Before we get in, we're having you guys come on today as we really sort of explore fostering in depth. Before we get into that, we want to ask you who lives in your house right now, Kelly? Sure, I can take that question. Um, Our house is populated by two adults, Kevin and I, and one rabbit and two cats. What are their names? Yeah, we need names. We have names. It becomes clear now that I haven't been listening to your podcast. I'm sorry. (laughs) Very sorry. We don't always need names. It's just just that we like like names. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Arthur is the name of the rabbit. And I named him because mm-hmm. I'm good at naming stuff. That's good. And uh, Wayne or Little Wayne or Young Wheezy is the name <laughs> of one of the cats. Okay. And the other cat's name is Tilda. Oh, mm. Tilda. Yeah. That's nice. She's the best one. Yeah, um, out of all of them, she's your favorite. <laughs> either after the uh, after Tilda Swinton or the little thing that goes over the yeah and, yeah. And, and, yeah you can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. I am really going to work hard not to derail to talk about rabbits because I have questions about rabbits. But we could just do a whole other podcast. The on rabbit rabbit in here. The rabbit has visited. See, Max this is your you want me to it. not talk about fostering. <laughs> I know. Today. Sorry, I can't. Um, I have equal <laughs> questions about rabbits and fostering, but we'll do fostering. <laughs> all right, you guys are. Are, are people on today who are just beginning the fostering process. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just start with basically what made you decide to start this process and where are you in the process right now? So they're really reluctant to ever tell you like a timeline or like a percentage complete, but I would say <laughs> we're probably like 60% of the way through. That sounds very positive. I like that. <laughs> Like uh, to hear that we we're like they're doing the uh, the home study process with us right now, which is where a social worker comes into your home and asks you like extremely extremely personal questions. Kelly just had hers. Yeah, um, that's right. Last week. Do you, and... Can I can I just like can I can I ask what a question might be? You don't have to answer that, but like sure. Um, I'll... When we were interviewed together, they were like, "Is there any infidelity?" Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Nice. Um, it's basically a poo-poo God. platter of every personal thing that's ever happened to you, of any kind of issues you've had with your parents, any use of drugs. Yeah, they ask you about that. Everything is just very like. You have to really get into it and dig deep. Yeah. And these are all like essay answers to these questions. There's no like, yep, nope, yep, no. Nope. You, you really can't have be to be like multiple choice. Yeah. Once mm-hmm. in college kind of thing. You have to really Yeah, that's Yeah, for sure. So so before we jump further into into that, why did you guys decide to to foster? Um, do you want to take that? Yeah. So Kevin and I wanted to have a family. For a long time, we've known we wanted to have a family. And, oh boy, rather than really try to explain everything about infertility and blah, sure. blah, blah, well, I mean, and I'm missing an ovary and all that good stuff. Yeah, we, um, we, we started trying in like 
2013, 2014, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. And when it wasn't working, we had like a like a free consultation in an infertility clinic. And yeah. they were giving Kelly an ultrasound. And they, uh, like when they were looking at one of her ovaries, they said like, uh, you want to go to an oncologist right now. Yeah, so that was horrible. Wow. That was probably That's, one of the yeah. toughest days we've ever had. Yeah. So we we basically at that point were like, oh, let's see if I have cancer before we go any further with baby stuff. Right. Uh, so we went and we did see an oncologist. I did have something that meant my ovary had to be removed. And so I can just say my left ovary is gone now. The tube's gone and my appendix is gone, just just for fun. They just but, feel like while we're here, we'll yeah, just get rid of the appendix too. Right, because that sure. wise. Sure. Yeah. So after that, it, it turns out like, yeah, I still have another ovary. I still have eggs. I can still have kids. So Kevin and I resumed. <laughs> the trying process. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we tried a little bit more. We like started with like a IVF procedure. Mm-hmm. Well, we tried, yeah, we tried a couple different like infertility treatments yeah. and nothing worked. The final thing that we tried, and this was like last year, was one round of IVF that we got our parents to go half and half on. Yeah. And it didn't work. Yeah. And it's a really hard process. Yeah, it yeah. sucks. It's yeah. super, I, yeah, we, I mean, I can say that um, there's a lot going on in your brain. <laughs> when that's going on yeah. and a lot of really hard, yeah. hard yeah. stuff. For me, it is hard. I'll just take a side note to say that, like, I work with children every day mm-hmm. yeah. and babies sometimes. I worked for two years in an infant room and I've, like, really have a passion for helping children and taking care of children. But there is always that moment, you know, this is a podcast about mothers. Yeah. Uh, you feel this, like, clench of your identity, like, Okay, well, someday it's going to be my turn to be one of these mothers. Mm -hmm. And so I can, you know, I can be there by their side and I can be really close to them and walk through this part of childhood with them because I'm going to I'm going to be a mom someday. And when that gets called into question, like you don't know if that's really going to happen biologically. It is something that kind of takes a minute. You have to take a beat. You don't have to, but I took a beat. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, the the. Foster people call it a grieving process when you when you are like when you look face to face at infertility and they they want you to take time to grieve that. And we actually did start um, a couple years ago, like very, very early, like we went to one training session or one orientation session for a different foster to adopt agency than the one we're with now. And they talked to us and they're like, you guys need to process this infertility oh, is first. Yeah. Like take take a beat to do that, then come back. Yeah. Yeah. And we did. Yeah. Did you, Kelly, did you take time from your job? Were you able to so you were taking a beat while you were still having yeah. caring for kids full yeah. time. Yeah. And, and another part of the IVF process that was difficult was that there was a period when they put these little 
forget what they called them. I don't know if they called them embryos, but that I did get implanted yeah. with. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. an embryo. Yeah. Um. So I got like the probably the closest thing I'll ever have to the feeling of being pregnant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the doctor asked me to basically behave like I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. So that meant I took two two weeks off work to be thinking about this and having this in my head, where I'm not supposed to lift anything, and you know the dietary restrictions are in place. So there is like a part of me that's hopeful. And even though we both knew that it was a long shot, we both, I think we both started to oh, it's get a hopeful. mind fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was what just a little yeah. vacation in the world of like. That is a. Regular pregnant parents. Total. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, and also you God. have you have to. I, yeah. We've had people we've had, on our yeah. show before. You you have to take all the drugs and everything. Yeah. Too oh, first. yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. it, it's not it's so much money and, yeah. and physical energy and like such a deep commitment to this yeah this like maybe thing yeah like yeah, yeah. exactly and yeah and now people are in your house asking you deeply personal questions yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right that's, yeah. that's, that's a it's a really yeah. epic journey and i i think that's not you know why one of the reasons we're having people on is because i think there's a narrative that's out there about fostering and even about, um, you know, uh, having uh, these, you know, IVF procedures and things like that, there is like one sort of very thin (laughs) one page narrative. And we don't have a chance to really learn that it's uh, it's like it's like an encyclopedia, you know, set of stuff. So you guys you guys decided to to foster. Mm -hmm. Yes. Can I ask? Because I'm still trying to understand the the difference. Well, not really the difference. I guess I kind of understand it. But there's fostering, and then there's fostering to adopt. And you have are you what? Which are you guys doing specifically? So um, we are we're fostering and hoping that we can adopt. Okay, but is there like a guarantee no. or no? Okay, so, so it's not like so if you so like. I, I think I can explain this pretty succinctly. Go we, for it. we so we walked up to this <laughs> stranger in the store and said, I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, "We we went through this nonprofit uh, agency that works with LA County and their foster system, and we said, you know, we're fostering, we're hoping to adopt." And they said, "Okay, abandon all hope of adopting." Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what um, I've heard. Yeah, because the the process is going to take multiple years once you're paired with the child. You're there as a foster or as they call it now, resource parent mm-hmm. to like be a safe place that the child can stay at and to be, you know, taking the child to meetings with the biological family, to court dates, to, you know, meetings with social workers, that sort of thing. And officially on paper, you are there as just kind of an intermediary between the biological family and the courts and, you know, your place for the child to stay. And on paper, you're supposed to be on board with reunification, which is when the child is taken back to their biological mother or father. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, so Kevin explained the nuts and bolts. Things that are going through my head are are things like... Are, are things like this is so hard because yeah. like right at that we're wanting to adopt an infant. Hopefully we'll see how that goes. Who knows? But we're like right at that moment in child development when children are forming their ideas of 
parents and, you know, maybe even saying their first words. Yeah. Like thinking about the idea that this is just a, a little person staying in our home who we're protecting. But the all of these emotional, like, gut-wrenching responses are going to be elicited from me. Oh, yeah. Like, even just being around kids in general, um, I get, you know, I can get, yeah. like, really worried and emotional and hopeful and all those things. And this is a positive thing. The people at the Foster to Adopt Agency want us to bond. They want us to have these feelings, but they're asking for something that feels almost impossible to me, mm -hmm. which is get in tune with these feelings, give this child that love that they need during this time of their life, but accept the fact that this is not necessarily their forever home and you're going to have to possibly let go and start this process all over again. So, yeah. yeah. It is. I got to tell you, because I have like this like series of sort of questions, but I'm going to yeah. just yeah. sort of go and <laughs> go somewhere else because I think this ties together. One of the things that we've spoken about on the show is we've had people who come on who have adopted or who have fostered or, or these things, you know, the realization that some people get a kid in their house by, you know, first try, right? You know, like, achoo, I have a kid in my house, yeah. right? Like, and then the process of what you have to think about before foster, like, I almost feel like foster parents are forced to consider parenting things hmm. that that I did not have to necessarily think about it until it came up, which is, uh, so I want to kind of just talk a little bit about that when it comes to like the things that you have sort of had to, like that right there, the the implications of, of the child going back to their biological parents, that's a big thought process to have to deal with. But there's other ones like, you know, you said uh, we were hoping for an infant, but we, you know, you, you actually have to well, do this thought process of like, do do I want a, children who have this or this or, you know, I mean, like, I don't know. You're confronted with yeah. things that other other people may not be confronted with. So how has that process been? Well, you can. So one correction, you can you can tell them what you're you can be incredibly specific about what kind of child you want to be paired with. OK, but what is that process like? I mean, how is that like? I mean, are you like I feel like for me, one minute I'd be like anything. <laughs> the next yeah. minute I'd be like, oh, wait, I should be more specific. And how does that feel? I don't know. That's a big process. Well, so, yeah, um, like you can pick you can say I only want, you know, a white six year old boy. OK. And literally, like, they, like race is one of the things that plays into it. I'm sure, yeah. Because they, they, you know, you, they have a word for it now. You're a transracial family if you yeah. adopt a child that's not of the same race that you are. I didn't know that word. Yeah, yeah you do. Okay. The show's about learning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's this kind of push and pull between this between the family and the agency mm. uh, and the county about like you know how many children you want to take, how picky you want to be about yeah. those children, you know. A lot of kids that come into the system are in sibling sets. So right. there's a bit of pressure from the agency about like, you know, do you want to, you know, what if this child comes in the baby and they have a two-year-old sister? Yeah. And they want you to be really clear about that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and the more specific you are, the longer it takes to be paired. But I think usually if you say like we're looking for a newborn, right, you'll get a newborn pretty quickly. It'll just be possibly the kind of situation where 
it's a newborn and they don't know anything about it other than the mother appears to be on drugs and right. tested for it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, yes, of course, you can specifically ask for a newborn. But during my interview, uh, the woman who was helping us was letting me know that if you do ask for a newborn, it may be hard to adopt just because there isn't a history yet really mm. with the family. So um, you're going to have to wait a little bit for that history to build up and for them to kind of know what's going on. Yeah. All right. Two sort of last questions. One is this whole process, has what has been sort of the biggest surprise in this process? I mean, like, because we talk about on the show that, like, as a parent, there's all this, like, before I had kids, I thought I for sure I was going to do this. And then you're like, oh, my God, I don't know anything. And then, like, with this process, I would assume it's the same sort of thing. I This is what the process is going to be like. I can't. Wow. That's not what I was expecting or or. That was a great thing I didn't expect. You know, like what? Yeah, tell me. I'll be quiet. I think. I think for <laughs> me, the it's been figuring out that this is this isn't the second best thing in being a parent. That yeah. it's a completely different thing, and it's a really important thing. Yeah. And that's been what's kept me engaged in the process and like somewhat comfortable with the idea of having a child in our house and then maybe losing it to reunification. Right is the idea that, you know, no matter what happens, we'll be doing a huge bit of good in a child's life. Yeah. Yeah, I think piggybacking on what Kevin's saying, I think a surprise to me was when you're little, you have this sort of general schema of what's what it's going to be like to be a mom. You know, you go to the doctor, eventually you have the baby. Yeah. And I think I'm realizing that in our culture, there aren't a lot of relatable images mm -hmm. or shows about adoption or fostering. So Kevin and I have kind of been like, everything's new. It's not yeah. like one thing's new. It's like everything about this process is eye-opening and new. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think like we're both kind of average folk. We haven't had to deal with a lot of tough stuff in our lives, I don't think. And I think I can speak for both of us when I say this is like one of the first times that we felt kind of different. Mm. And we didn't really expect that. I don't think I expected it at first. Wow. that's So this is my last question is, especially given all that you guys have talked about so far, are you putting anything in place for your for support? Like what's your support system look like? You know, therapy, resources, family. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a person who lives in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> As a whole show, as a whole show, basically, <laughs> how much therapy we need and we get. We need and get every day. Yeah. Therapy is definitely like we've both been in and out of therapy. Yeah. And that's like something that we would probably want to really strongly consider. <laughs> I love it. Going through this <laughs> and other support. I mean, like we, it's it's weird. We we don't have a lot of family that we can rely on. Kelly's parents moved about three hours away. Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> and like my side of the family, there's not many people that we can count on. Mm -hmm. My mom was going to be like kind of a caretaker that we were like working to get her approved. But she's been going through like a month and a half long saga in the hospital. So we're a little bit on our own. But I mean, the the network inside the agency that we're at is really supportive on its own. And there's... Oh, there's mechanisms in place, like formal mechanisms where you can drop off children at 
another like resource family's home if you plan it out ahead of time. Oh, nice. The other cool thing is that all of the certification that Kelly has to go through to be a preschool teacher is really similar. Oh, that's nice. To yeah. what, like, you know, a babysitter would need to go through mm-hmm. in the foster family. Yeah, I've so, been fingerprinted so many times. Yeah. I've got to be, like, the safest person in the country. But you, you also have all a, the field trips. <laughs> you have a Rolodex of so many people we can... Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. true. That's my resource right there. I have, like, a ton of preschool teacher buddies and some of them like moonlight as nannies as well so that's got to come in handy yeah well i just want to say thank you guys so much for coming on and sharing your experiences with with us you guys are both doing a really remarkable job yeah you are yes you guys really are and we really look forward to hearing how everything goes i think it's just great Thank you, thank, so you. thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. That was so generous of Kevin and Kelly to come on and talk to us about that experience. It really was. It just really shows you, it shows me that I think I know some stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's so much more I don't know. And again, it reminds me, you have no idea what's going on in people's lives. I know. God, we've just got to be nice. <laughs> Each we other. really need I to mean, be nice to each other every day, guys. Every day. Yeah. Next, we're going to be having Abby Scott come on, and she's going to talk a little bit about the process of having already fostered and those children uh, having already left their home. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Kapari, an aluminum-free deodorant that's dedicated to changing the deodorant game by giving you pure coconut confidence. My pets have confidence. I I love this stuff so much, which is bizarre to love a deodorant. But guys, I I got it on right now in the hot bacon talip. I do too. And instead of plugging up your sweat glands, Kapari's deodorant bites odor with sage oil and coconut oil, and it outlasts your longest days, and in my case, sometimes uh, two days. <laughs> Go to kaparibeauty.com slash badmother to make the safe switch today and see how you can save $5 off your first order. That's kapari, K-O-P-A-R-I, beauty.com slash badmother. Kaparibeauty.com slash badmother. Teresa, we are on to interview number two. This time we are calling someone today. Hey, today, today, right now, segment two of the epic fostering episode of One Bad Mother, we are calling... Abby Scott, who is the stepmom of two and was a foster mom to two more and who I have to say is a very old and good friend of mine from our New York days, which means because she's my friend, I get to ask her all the really borderline offensive questions and she might still be my friend. <laughs> That's, you go ahead. You go ahead. Yay! And we'll just, I'll just gossip about you behind your back. It'll be wonderful. Yeah, Perfect. go ahead. Abby, let's start with currently give us the setup of who's in your house right now. 
Uh, so who's in my house is Maddie. She is 14, almost 15. She's a freshman in high school. And Sam, who is 12, and he is in seventh grader. But um, whenever people ask me about, yeah, kids in my house and all that kind of stuff, I do like to mention the foster kids that we had as of two years ago. They came into our house in September of 2016. There was a little girl. She was four and a little boy, seven. And they transitioned out in December of last year. Oh, we are going to so get into that. But what about your partner? Oh, oh, gosh, that's right. <laughs> the reason the stepkids exist. Um, yeah, Corey, he's a, Corey, he's a music teacher. Yeah, he was in my house, too. Yeah, he's there. He's, he's roaming about. Yeah, he's whatever. working about. Yeah, he's after the cats and the dogs and everybody that's left. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the, the 14-year-old and the 12-year-old are are your stepkids, just to be clear, yes. so we yeah. know who we're talking about. Okay. okay and they yeah. are living in your that's house. That's right. And then the 4-year-old yeah. and the 7-year-old are no longer living in your house. That's right. They're with their mom now. Got it. Okay. So we're going to go back. Yeah, it's, up. it's complicated. Yeah. It is yeah. complicated. And so I want to go back with two sort of questions to start off with. One, yes. I absolutely love that you are the epitome of what we say on the show, which is people get kids in their house in lots of different ways. And <laughs> you seem to have gotten kids in your house two different, two different yet traditional ways. So I would like you to talk about that experience as a parent. And I'd also then like to follow that up with, or as part of the conversation, how with two stepkids, you and Corey decided you also wanted to foster. Okay. So I beat Corey in 2011 and he's got two kids. And as you do before you get married to someone, he introduced me to them. (laughs) So I met them when they were five and seven, almost eight. And then we had a pretty short uh, courtship, but he did a really, really good job of integrating me like little by little like here's my friend abby we're gonna hang out every once in a while and then we hang out a little bit more a little bit more and then you know abby's my girlfriend and then abby and i are gonna get married what do you think about that and then i moved in in 2012 and then made sure to you know keep his co-parent up to date on you know everything that's going on and check in with them make sure that they had one-on-one time with their dad you know all the good checkbox step parent type stuff. Okay. And then we always knew that we wanted to grow a family and it was going to be in a non-traditional way. So we explored, you know, international adoption and domestic adoption. And the more we read about foster parenting, we're like, yeah, let's check this out. So we started making plans like in 2014 and then started the whole like really heavy duty process in 2015 of you know, getting certified and taking the classes and inviting someone over to look at our house and yeah. uh, vacuuming the house and, you know, <laughs> talking to our doctor and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, constant conversations with the kids, with the stepkids. Hey, this is what we're going to do. This is going to be exciting. We're going to do this as a family. So we chose to, uh, we asked for kids that were younger, the kids in our house. You know, every family is different, but we figured this way we could kind of maybe manage a little bit better things if if the you know birth order was kept the same does that make sense oh so yeah, yeah. so you're saying you the the working theory for you guys was the 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 kids who were the step kids your kids the kids who were there all the time uh, stay as like oldest next oldest and then the you know anybody who came in as yeah. a foster is younger did you have exactly, to exactly. include in this process did you have to include the co-parents in this process 
I mean, so they were yeah. never they were never interviewed, but there was yes, one hundred percent. Hey, you know, years before, this is what we're going to do. Um, this is where we're at. These are the kind of questions they're going to ask the stepkids, and they did. They the foster, you know, interrogators talked to them too. Yeah, which was they were you know a little they were totally excited about it, and they were all about being involved in the process, but a little confused why so many questions. Yeah, like at one point, Sam said, "Well, they're not criminals. I'm not yeah. sure why you're." Asking me this stuff, but um, yes, co-parent was kept up to date in all in all t- cases. Um, she was never interviewed herself, so but there was a lot of questions about co-parenting and how do you do it and all that kind of stuff. Yes, how did so? How did the kids come to your house? Is it like is it literally that I like the, the idea of once you're in the system, suddenly you just get a call and they are now kids in your house? Is there like yes, <laughs> yeah? Tell us that yes. process. That's a surprise. Yeah, so, so it's different for. Kids? so it's different for everyone and i think it's different for the you know the agency and all that kind of stuff so for us it was about uh nine months before we got a call so we got our license in january and then in september they said hey we've got these two kids and they're in another family right now that already has three kids under five and it's just a lot of chaos can you go ahead and take them and we said, yes, my husband had just had hernia surgery. So we're like, just give us, give us two days <laughs> to, get our, to get our affairs in order. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. And then, uh, yeah, then they just dropped him off and said, hey, here you go. That, okay, so you and guys are all in a room looking at each other. <laughs> yeah. Did so, you, like, have car seats for them and stuff? Yeah. yeah. Or, like... So they... Right. So we were all told, you know, get ready if you have to go get it. So we had, in our house, we had a crib. We had two rooms set up with little beds. We had we didn't have car seats, but they came with their own like booster seats. Right. So, uh, that, that, yeah, that gave us an opportunity to say, all right, so how old and all that kind of stuff. And actually, that because we had a couple days, the older kids were able to really get involved. They mm. decorated the room for oh, both kids. Nice. They got letters. They printed out their name. They painted it. They got, you know, stuffed animals that they had all grown and presents and all that kind of stuff and put them in the room. And then the day that the the littles came, the big ones were at their mom's. So there was able to be a little bit of a transition, you know, like let's get us used to these guys and these little ones used to us. And then we'll go ahead and, and integrate the big ones, too. Good job. That was some good thinking. That was excellent. Work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to ask, what was it? Okay, suddenly uh, now there's a bunch of kids in the house. <laughs> some were there, some are new. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like what surprised you as something that you weren't really expecting? What worked really well? What turned out to be something you guys really had to uh, adjust to? Okay, so I suppose the first, like, here's just a little thing. I would not have given them presents, the little ones, when they came in. We had, you know, Maddie and Sam picked out presents for them. I, and this is something I learned that kids, a lot of times that go into foster care, are inundated with presents huh. because it's the easiest thing, yeah. right? It's the easiest thing to do. Like, I can, if I don't have time to take care of a kid, but I can totally donate to the Christmas fund. Right. I can totally donate to you know whatever coming in. So you know, of course, they need all their stuff, and uh, you know, of course, we want the kids to share their toys, and we want them to go ahead and you know give them give them stuff. I mean, they deserve stuff. Yeah, but. There was such a glut at the beginning that it 
they were doing so much change that uh, it, it was such a shock to their system, I think. And it was a little harder for them to kind of be like to come down from that and be like, <laughs> it was easy for yeah. them to come to and just be like, I have time for a present. Yeah. <laughs> Get this done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't um, even thought about that, but that makes total sense. Yeah. And this is something, this is a tip that I got actually from the One Bad Mother <laughs> foster support group. It was, there was some woman that, there was a woman out there that she also had stepkids and she reached out and she said she was surprised. And this, I was surprised too by the grief um, from this, my stepkids when the other kids transitioned out. Yeah. Like we knew it was coming. Yeah. But we we didn't know we didn't see it. I was surprised by how it was manifested. So my the oldest one, like uh, Maddie, she was she's really articulate. She's really in touch with her feelings. She's like, I'm mad at you guys. You know, you're adults. This this change shouldn't happen because you should be able to control everything. Yeah. And then Sam was like, I'm gonna get my stuff back. This is gonna be great. But then when they left, he was really upset that Maddie had been able to babysit them. Mm. Like there was a couple of times like she went over to babysit and she was, he was a little livid that he couldn't check them out. Oh, when they, after they had left, when they had gone back to their, uh, biological yes. mm-hmm. parent's house. Yep. All right. Fostering. We've, we've already talked with somebody going about to go through the process. You're in the process. We're going to mm-hmm. have somebody, um, who actually talks about this stuff professionally on in a little bit, but like there, when you're fostering, there's no way of knowing if you're going to wind up being able to adopt the the children. So right. I guess my, my, I have two questions. One, were you guys looking your, for your fostering experience to potentially lead to adoption or were you guys like, nope, we just want to foster. That's what we want to do. And two, how, mm-hmm. I mean, the question, I feel like the stereotypical question is, how can you let these children out of your house? You know what I mean? Like, I like, oh, yeah. right, like every Lifetime movie right. is like, it becomes like, you know, like a some crazy show. So like, what, how, how are you doing? <laughs> I, said, tell, I am, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's so, it's, there's the positives and the, and the negatives. So, when we came into this, yes, we were like, we are going to adopt kids. They're going to live in our house, and this is how we're going to do it. And then we were told over and over and over in training, the goal of fostering is to reunite families. And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fine. And right. That'll happen, sure. Yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> I've seen Lifetime. But, I know it's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, yeah. yeah. I, I've gone to the movies. And yeah. that's, it's so funny because I don't know a lot of foster parents. Uh, it wasn't part of my culture growing up. It's just something, you know, I've seen people with kids. I yeah. have a step parent myself. Like I, I was, you know, done with that. I know how that worked, but I didn't know how fostering worked. So uh, yeah, exactly. I was expecting, all right, this birth parent's going to be, you know, they're going to, if I meet them, they're going to shoot me in the face, you know, just yeah. that's how that's going to work. Well, through this, like we met, we met the kid's mom and she was working really hard to get these guys back. And it really put things in a perspective for us that we are working to help a family. Mm. You know, this is yeah. someone that just did not have the same sort of um, privileges or understanding or knowledge of what a healthy relationship is. Uh, we were able to help this person as best we can. And to add to that, I mean, these kids were not our race. We worked hard to like to go out of our 
a comfort zone and, you know, learn everything that we could um, to, you know, put them in programs and classes and make sure that they were with other people that that looked like them and yeah. uh, could talk to them about, you know, different stuff. And so it, this was us helping a family. It was helping uh, a family that was, uh, you know, down on their luck versus us. Now that's the positive way. You know, the negative yeah. way is, oh my gosh, we're biting our nails, Yeah. you know, all the time. And I would love to have access to that and all that kind of stuff. I think also step parenting was the best preparation for this huh. because I, I've, you know, I've not given birth to any kids, but I have, I have parented four children, but I am not my stepkids' mom. They have a mom and I really worked hard to walk the line of, you know, messing up constantly, just of parenting them while at the same time respecting this is who their mother is. And I think that really helps with fostering too, is that I am a parent to these guys. I'm washing their clothes. I'm, you know, you know, boo-boos, all the good stuff, but, you know, really trying to respect this is who their mother is. Oh, that's remarkable. <laughs> this is, also keep in mind, also keep in mind, this is the, this is, this is, right? This is the, this is the put together Abby yeah. talking. Right. <laughs> yeah. Know? I was going to say, this is pretty good. <laughs> There's a lot of work to get to this place. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's, I feel but like it, that's it. It that feels like a lot of sort of self-care and self-exploration yes. and identity yes. work. That yeah, sorry. well, it's no, it's just making me like it's it's a lot of what we talk about on the show in terms of you're just uh, giving so much, yeah. like it, you're really giving a gift, yeah, and it's so like we've talked about parenting in general being like not rewarding sometimes, yeah. and like this yeah. this what you're talking about of like th- we're helping a family, we're doing what yeah. we can to help these kids, and you're really like I'm just like imagining just this outpouring of like love really just like coming from Mm -hmm. you and it's like a it's like a one-way thing although I'm like I'm sure you received love in return and like and you gained something amazing from that experience but there is no oh yeah absolutely it's very different from like what we sort of think of traditionally about having kids which is like well you have kids because eventually they'll grow up and take care of you (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean like they're like join the family business or yeah, like they'll yeah, farm, yeah. Do they'll the farm, farm the land. Yeah. Like, it's just like <laughs> right. that's not what so this is. Make, yeah, yeah. Right. I don't want to make this. You know, Abby is not particularly like just like some queen, uh, amazing person. Like no, I, you're I, a horrible I, person. No, no, don't you're worry. Abby. Totally I, yeah, suck. Don't worry. You suck. Really suck. We're taking advantage now of right. being. You know, there's we have fifty. My husband has fifty fifty custody, so we are part time dinks, right? So we are we are traveling on the weekends. And, you know, doing things that other families can't. Right. But on a side note, too, look, one of the really positive things that, that I, I was surprised by is that it really solidified my relationship with my stepson. Like, so he was five when I met him. And, you know, he's a, he's a boy. And he, he in particular, um, is really attached to his dad. Yeah. And there, there would be times, you know, where he'd get frustrated. You know, I'm a step parent. I'd be the first parent that got kicked. Right. Right metaphorically, you know, we'd be walking and if he's in a mood, you know, he would squeeze in between his dad and I and hold his dad and, you know, I just try to establish that he has ownership over his father, which, you know, he's a kid, you know, totally understand. Sometimes I'm like, I don't don't want to deal with this today, but I totally understand that. (laughs) When these two kids came into our house, he kind of had a little bit of that with me. Like, 
you know, he was not used to being a younger kid. And he would talk to me like, Abby, look, they leave toothpaste in the sink. (laughs) I'm like, oh, dude, man, that is a lot to deal with. (laughs) So, you know, we've we've come through on the other side, like just really as we we did this together, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bonding experience for you guys. Right. All right. So here's my last question, though I have got a million questions. Now that you've gone through the whole process... Uh, would you do it again? Are you guys going to do it again? Or are you guys like, ah, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> it has been, you know, this is why I don't want to be like, you know, I'm an angel of of, of mercy. Yeah. Um, it's been 10 months and we have not signed up again yet. We still have our license. So our thought is at some point we would do respite care. So that's giving other foster parents a break. Oh, yeah. Like for a weekend or a week or something like that. But I don't want to make it so, you know, the foster process is an awesome. And there's so many people out there that just foster parent, like just, they are, they are solid. They're on it. And, you know, once one kid transitions out, then the next one comes in. We, For our family, we're taking a break for a little while, but yeah. I'm hoping that we'll get back into say, you know, respite care or something like that. Well, Abby, thank you so much for coming on and sharing what you guys have been doing and y'all's experiences. You <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you do suck, but you are also <laughs> yeah. doing I know. an amazing job. You, really you are, are doing such a good Thank job. You so much. Yeah, you are. And I'm not actually aware of any way in which you suck. <laughs> I think we're just saying it as a matter of course. Yeah, just we're as, assuming. Right. Just biz. Just yeah. me. Just me. I just, I, yeah, you guys are doing such a good job. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. And I hope I will get to see you sometime soon. Oh, very soon, hopefully. Oh, Thank you. Good. All right. We'll talk later. Thank you. Bye. 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 Man, it's awesome. Yeah. And it's also just like so, um, What a, again, what another completely different experience somebody is having uh, as a parent. Oh, it was so nice to talk to Abby. I'm so glad she was able to come on and share that experience with us because it's having gone through the entire process and out on the other side. I just think it's really remarkable. And next, we're going to have Adrian Jubilee on from the Center for Adoption Support and Education. Mother is supported in part by Vital Farms. Buying eggs can be confusing, but Vital Farms wants to clear things up and keep it simple. Vital Farms pasture-raised eggs are better than cage-free. They're bullshit-free. These pasture-raised hens roam free outside. They have tons of sunny space to move around, and somehow that results in really delicious eggs with a beautiful orange color when you crack them open. Taste what it means to be bullshit free. To get your coupon for Vital Farms pasture-raised eggs, head to vitalfarms.com slash mother. And the packages are cute too. Teresa. Yes. Let's call someone today. Hey, we are calling and speaking with our third person in the... (laughs) One Bad Mother 
sponsoring spectacular of- that we've wound up doing today. In many ways, our guest, Adrian Jubilee, has been involved in child welfare for most of her life. As the sister of two adopted older brothers, she has experienced the thrills and challenges of a family expansion via adoption. Due to the joys of adoption in her childhood, she and her husband, Eugene, adopted their beloved son, Elijah. Following her own adoption journey, Adrian entered the area of child welfare personally after a long career with the developmentally disabled. Initially, she was the family advocate and placement specialist for a private adoption agency for four years. Following her work in the private sector of adoption, she became the Wendy's Wonderful Kids Recruiter for Child and Family Services for the District of Columbia, a position she held for six years. She has now joined the CASE Center for Adoption Support and Education Family as the Wendy's Wonderful Kids Recruiter for Maryland since April 2013. The Wendy's Wonderful Kids Recruiter is a signature program of the Dave Thomas Foundation to promote and support the adoption of children from foster care. So she may know a little something about this. (laughs) Welcome, Adrian. Thank you. I hope I can live up to that introduction, boy. <laughs> Do not worry. This show, we have a very low bar. You're going to live right up to it. Uh, if you can answer, like, even one of our, like, insane questions, you're going to be great. Um, and hopefully our questions won't be too insane. That's right. Hopefully they will be respectful. Uh, <laughs> Adrian, before we get into, into this discussion, we're going to ask you what we ask all our guests, which is who lives in your house? Ooh, I hope you have a minute. I do. <laughs> B- besides me, there's my husband, Eugene. There's my son, Elijah. And then I have my um, animal children. <laughs> I have my dog, Addie. I have two sibling cats, Felix and Margot. And I have um, a little cat that we took in little bits. <laughs> who a neighbor kind of left behind. And then I have Spike, who came with our house. <laughs> what is Spike? Yeah. <laughs> what type of animal? What type of animal is Oh, Spike is another cat. Okay. Um, <laughs> we got the house renovated, and a carpenter took a liking to Spike and also named Spike. Mm. And when we moved in the first night, Spike scratched on the door to come in, and he's mm. been there ever since. Mm. Oh, this is how to get pets. It's so good. I got to tell you, this yeah. is this is it. This is really good. Just let them come. Let them come. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, let's let's get into this. We've been talking to from the perspective of the of parents who want to foster sides so far in the show. And so we are excited to have you on to ask for the perspective from the social worker, the welfare agency side. I'm just gonna start off with what do you think are like successful traits and and connections that lead to to good I mean like who should be jumping into the foster game you know I think many people could be great foster parents I really do I think many could be wonderful however I think you need to give consideration to your lifestyle I think you need to think about things like how do you like children I mean, do you like children? Do you <laughs> That's a good question. do you feel like you you can build your life around a child? 
How do you feel about things? How is your life set up? Is your life set up so that you can move the parts so that it's around this child? Because foster care children, I always jokingly say, come with the entourage. (laughs) They don't just come by themselves. They're going to have a worker that's visiting you. They may have an adoption recruiter like me that's visiting you. They're going to have therapists. They're they're going to have an attorney. And these are all people that are going to need to be coming to your house. So you've got to feel, understand, do you like people coming to your house? How do you feel about that? (laughs) So good. I'm sorry. That is really a good point. It's an important consideration. consideration. It is, yeah. Right. And and if you're a person who doesn't like that, this is definitely not the way to go (laughs) because they all come with this. And they, they do expect you, you know, foster parents are still expected to be parents. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people land on the foster and not on the parents. So things like what kind of leave situation do you have at your job? If you have a child that has a lot of problems in school or has problems adjusting to the school, do you have a certain flexibility to be able to leave your job and go tend to that? If the child is medically fragile, do you have the kind of schedule that's going to let you go to a lot of doctor's appointments? Do you, how do you feel about interacting with their biological family? Because most children, when they come into foster care, the hope is that the team can work with the family to get the children reunited. And there's an expectation in different places that you as foster parent are going to be the one really working with the parent because you're the one who's really parenting their child right now. So those are things, yeah, Yeah. those are things that you really need to consider. You may be the one to tell mom or dad, do you know that your child is afraid of the dark? This is what I do to help them go to sleep at night. These are things that they may not have in their repertoire yet. And so you're going to be the one to tell them those little things, those things that, aren't necessarily reflected in like a report, but that you've learned as you've been working and parenting this baby or uh, or this child. I feel like that no, that makes that makes a lot of sense, and I feel like that's another emotional consideration to take in for somebody considering fostering because I could see that also being very difficult to tell you know uh, their biological parents something so personal about. Their child. I mean, that's that's complex, right? Like that is incredibly complex. The the dynamics and the relationships and the communication. And you won't be alone, though. You will that was have. My question. Yeah. You will have like the social worker is going to be working with you and the parents, and they can be your go between. They can help. People generally, when the children have visits with, when the parents have visits with their um, children, usually the foster mother is not at the foster parent's home. It's usually at an office or somewhere in the community. A lot of times during the visit, social workers take the kids. But in the grander scheme of things, you are going to be able to at some point interact with them Mm. and let them know how their child is doing. Well, let's actually take it back to the very beginning. And can you take us through, you know, in general, what the process is for somebody who's interested in fostering? Sure. 
I will warn that every jurisdiction has their own way of doing things. Um, fostering an adoption does not have like a federal policy or federal guidelines. It's determined by each um, county or city or state. But in general, you would contact the foster care agency in your jurisdiction and you would tell them that you were interested in being a foster parent. Most jurisdictions have things called orientation. And that's where they're going to bring you in and they're going to explain to you what the expectations are, generally what the process is for becoming a foster parent, what the requirements are, and then they will um, get your information. At that point, you're not obligated. They will tell you from there, if you decide to move forward, then you generally take a class that prepares you for fostering children who um, have experienced trauma. And so those classes usually run about 32 hours in total. Then after you pass that class, you'll be getting information in that class about documentation that you need to be gathering. And this is to get you ready for something called a home study. Mm-hmm. And a home study is really a written report about you and your family to help you determine if you are ready to become a foster parent, to answer your questions, and also to help provide a a picture of who you and your family are. It's written by the social worker. It's not written by you. And it usually takes, I will say in Maryland, it can take up to six months to complete the home study. It involves interviews with you, interviews with your partner, interviews together separately. If you have older children, they're going to interview those children. They're going to look into how your children are doing in terms of school. They're going to make sure that you are on solid ground financially. They generally don't do things like credit checks, but they do want to make sure that you have a stable job and an income where you can support yourself. And then they're going to talk to three references. Usually it's about three references. Also, there are uh, criminal background checks you'll have to get fingerprinted. And they gather all this information up, write out a report. And when the home study is completed, if you pass the home study, if everything comes out okay, then you'll be considered qualified to become a foster parent. And then from there... Different people may call you about taking in a foster child. Okay. Can you, so here are two questions from that. One, can you, can you say no to a call? <laughs> like if you're, like you've gone through this whole process and somebody calls and says, we've got a child we need to place today. As the person who's been through this process, can you say, uh, no, we're not ready or uh, I want the next one? I mean, like, what is, what is your commitment once you've gone through that whole process? Because I would feel really guilty well, and feel like I'd have to be like every time you called, I'd be like, bring them in. Bring everybody in right now. All, you know. <laughs> Just... No, no. This is where I tell people, know your strengths yeah. and things that aren't your strengths. Okay. So they're go- usually you'll get a call and it'll be about a child and they will give you kind of an overview. They try to give you as much information as they have. They may give you an overview of this child, what the challenges are with this child. This child may be coming straight from their home. 
and what was found there. And you make the decision based on what you're hearing as to whether you feel comfortable or you feel ready to take this child. Um, you may be getting ready to go on a trip, right. and they call the night before to say there's a child. You can always say no. And they prefer that if you know that this is something that doesn't feel right to you, I think they prefer for you to say that. But you don't get penalized for okay. saying it. Because I would be, I, mean, I feel like what I have been learning about fostering is that it is incredibly emotionally complex. And even in the best of circumstances, I think personally, I would feel I would always be wrestling with guilt or they're going to penalize me or like my brain would take me to that place. Oh, I should cancel the trip because I've been wanting this my whole life. And now I'm, I shouldn't say no. You know what I mean? Like parents who are going through this or starting this, what are resources for them to help them with this complexity? Well, I always tell people to rely on the social worker in terms of the information that they give you. But I also tell people, generally, when you do a home study, they're going to ask you what age of children, say what um, challenges that child may have um, that you're open to and things that you're not open to. So I always suggest Stay within your boundaries of what you feel comfortable with. Sometimes they'll even give you questionnaires where you literally check off whether you are comfortable with, let's say, a child who wets the bed or are you comfortable with a child who may tell you lies. I know that there's a much greater need for foster parents for older children. There are infants and toddlers and all who come into care. And if that's really what you want to do, then I I always tell people to kind of stay with right now where you're comfortable. But always remember now that child that let's say you have one to five and you get a five-year-old, they're going to turn six and seven (laughs) and eight. So don't, you know, don't lock yourself in so much. But, you know, understand that this could happen. And also, what I find with a lot of foster parents, there are networks of foster parents usually in the area. And you can team up with someone who's done it for a long time who can be your foster parent mentor to kind of help guide you through the system because they've been doing it for a while. Um, In terms of the child and the emotional challenge, Please go with your children to the therapist. Mm-hmm. Please don't just drop them off and treat it like it's their thing and not my thing. Mm-hmm. You want to know what the child is reporting. You want to be able to report to the therapist sort of what you're seeing. And the therapist is supposed to be giving you tips and information to how to structure your household so that this child can be successful. And When you're thinking about being a foster parent, you really need to think, can you delay gratification? And what I mean by that is these kids are coming to you and they are hurt and they are wounded and they are distrustful. They don't know what's going to wait for them in your house. And you know you're a good person who has their best interests at heart, but they don't. 
And so they don't look at you with a lot of gratitude. It may take a long time, if ever. So what you really need to pinpoint is how they're healing. They they may, you know, never say, gee, I really love you, but they may give you a hug or touch your hand. If you have that need for the child to really express a lot of love and affection, you need to be able to delay that. Mm. You may need to go find other outlets. In, in which case, get some pets or something. Right, right. Yeah, that's right. Get a house full of cats. The, I mean, yeah. I have. I'm like, give me more cats. I need something to cuddle. Of course, I always get the cats that just want to scratch the crap out of me and be left alone. So, you know, <laughs> there you go. I want to actually go back real quick with the question. As you were talking about the process, you say, call the fostering agency and start the process. I am a very distrusting person. I, am I, do I know I'm calling a legitimate foster agency? Are there, you know, is there a better business bureau sort of thing for foster agencies? How do people know they're contacting legitimate agencies? Well, in general, you contact your department of social services, and they are the ones who conduct foster parent trainings generally. So, for example, I live in Baltimore City, so I would contact Baltimore City Department of Social Services and tell them I'm interested in fostering. And they would let me know all that information. There are also private foster care agencies generally referred to as therapeutic foster care agencies. And you can even call your jurisdiction and find out who those agencies are. And the reason I say therapeutic is because they take children with a higher level of need always. So they're children who are going to go there are going to be children who may be very medically fragile, very medically involved, or they may have more severe emotional problems or behaviors. But in general, you can call your jurisdiction, your local county uh, Department of Social Services. There usually aren't scammers for that, I guess because you would have to have They'd have to have access to children, and private agencies get their access to children from the jurisdictions. Okay, that makes sense. I just have probably read one too many (laughs) crime novels. (laughs) Is there? Let's wrap up on one last thing, which is, what do you think? It's hard. I don't want to say like biggest misconception out there about fostering because that sounds like I'm looking necessarily for a negative misconception, uh, which I'm I'm not. But like, what do you think just culturally is a misconception about uh, being a foster parent or what fostering means? Well, let's see. I would think of it this way. I think for me, there are two big misconceptions. I think a lot of people still view foster parents as these people who are lazy and take these children in so that they can get the stipend, the money that comes with them to help support the child in the home and not put the family at financial hardship. And I've really found that that tends not to be the case. I, I, you know, I would never say, no, there's nobody who does that. But a lot, most of the foster parents I've worked with have really put a lot of their heart into helping children heal. And then I think the biggest misconception is that foster kids are bad. 
are horrible, have done something wrong. They come with a bad rap, and I just think it's so unfair. These are children who, through no fault of their own, have had to be removed from their biological families. And um, they go through many, many things. And I think that sometimes people forget that the children that didn't do anything wrong, that it is not, it's not that the children did something. It's that the adults of the family were not able to provide the care that the children needed. So I always feel like they, you know, they come to all of us in the professional world with these great big folders and you read these folders. I remember when I started in this position and I was terrified. I was like, oh my God, how can I meet this child? <laughs> and you go to the house and you meet the, the, the child and he's just a kid. Yeah. He's really just a kid. And I know I sometimes look at my kids and I say, boy, you know, there's a lot of resilience here. Because I I think sometimes with some of my kids and their stories, I would be curled up in a ball somewhere. Um, no. Right. And so I I just think to just remember walk a, walk a minute in their shoes when you hear about their story, and remember they are children. Yeah. I thank you so much for for both of those things. I think that's that those probably are the two misconceptions that come to my mind right away when I think about it. So I, I, and especially after hearing the process of trying to become a foster parent and, and knowing after speaking to foster parents, what awaits you emotionally <laughs> throughout the process. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, I, 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 I find it I find it hard to believe that the majority of foster parents would then be this stereotypical person just try that's a lot of work. It's too much work to it, be It's a lot of work. Oh my gosh, that's so much work. Adrian, thank you so much for joining us. We're gonna make sure that we link everyone up to the Center for Adoption Support and Education, as well as the Wendy's Wonderful Kids group. I, I, thank you so much for your perspective and your insight. We really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you for taking this time to focus on people who I think don't get the appreciation they deserve, and that's foster parents. We uh, 100% agree. (laughs) So so thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Oh, bye-bye. Ballpark panel, we have just 30 seconds to prove to Max Fund listeners that we know what the F we're talking about when it comes to pop culture. All right, you guys, let's go. Famous Chris's. Walk-in. Christofferson. Hemsworth. Karen, what's the most iconic lesbian snack? The wings at Hooters. The answer is fried green tomatoes. Margaret, what is the Marvel Cinematic Universe missing? <laughs> My interest. Winter, name someone who will EGOT in your lifetime. Ike Barinholtz. That's beautiful. Top gear or top model? Sadly, I have to say top gear. The clear answer is top chef. But top model taught us about smizing. Pop Rocket, smart takes on everything. Catch us every Friday on Maximum Fun. 
I'm Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And together, we host a podcast called Still Buffering, where we answer questions like, Why should I not fall asleep first at a slumber party? How do I be fleet? Is it okay to break up with someone using emojis? And sometimes we talk about birds. No, we don't. Nope. <laughs> Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am a teenager. And, and I was two. Butts, 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 butts. No. <laughs> Teresa, I, that was I, that was really good. That was helpful. The helpful yeah. show for me. Yeah. I, I, there were two things that were, there were three things that were said, one by each of our guests, that really resonated with, with me and reminded me how amazing people are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can sometimes walk through life not liking people very much. <laughs> and then something happens and I'm like, oh, People are okay. And that was uh, Kevin and Kelly. Kevin was saying when we were talking about, like, what surprised you or or something along those lines, he had said that he had started looking at things. He started looking at fostering not as the second best Mm -hmm. way to have kids. That, Mm -hmm. like, he changed that. We talk about that all the time, changing that story. And I thought, oh, that, that must be a thought process. Yeah. Right? Because of just how culturally we only talk about really parenting, getting kids one way. Mm-hmm. Right? And that every other way is like second. Or, and, and and it's not. Mm-mm. It is not. Kids come into your house lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. And in all of those ways, you are parenting. Mm-hmm. And I, I just really was struck by that comment and thought that was, oh, was so good. And then Again, when it came to changing perspectives and how you look at things, when Abby was saying that, you know, she and her partner, for them, their narrative became, we are fostering to help this family. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I just was like, that's, that is, that's it. That's so kind. That's so generous. That's such a, that is a really remarkable way to to see this. That's what it is. Yes. I, ah, yes. bah, bah, bah. Yeah. I just, and then finally, speaking with Adrian, it was such a good reminder that these are just kids. Mm-hmm. They are just kids. And who've been through a remarkable amount, but they're, they're, they're kids, you know? And I just, yeah. Oh, kids. Kids are okay. Yeah, they are. <laughs> let's, let's try and be cool. With they're kids. also doing their best. They're, and also, they're do- also doing a good job. That's right. So, thank you to all of our guests uh, who came on to share their personal experiences uh, with fostering. They, of course, are just one of hundreds and thousands of different experiences people are having fostering. And my big takeaway was use the resources that are available and and make sure that you're surrounding yourself with support in whatever form that is as a parent who fosters and, as we say, as a parent in general. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Get help! Everybody, you are doing a remarkable job. Yeah, you are. I mean, there are children in your house. However they got there, it's a lot. 
And you're all doing really, really remarkable. And I look forward to us continuing to have guests to talk about fostering as well as adoption, as well as all the other ways uh, people wind up with kids in their house. Teresa, you're doing a very good job. Thanks, Biz. So are you. Thank you. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Bunn, our producer, Hannah Smith, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash donate. Well, Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. Oh, said Daddy, baby, bustin' by, not low down mama blues. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.